I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm Abed Evaluas and you're listening to the World Cricket Show. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'm behind the wheel tonight. And the man sitting in the aptly named passenger seat is Tony Kerr. You're a passenger, Tony, is what I'm trying to say. Did you get it? Cheers. Oh, does that mean I get to fiddle with my phone on this wacky journey that we're going on? Yeah, you can just stare out the window and just leave the real kind of uh, important... Uh, grown-up stuff to, to, to me. <laughs> I'll just shout, are we there yet? Constantly. <laughs> How's it going, Tone? It's going very well. And there's a, an extra spring in our step, isn't there, mm. this afternoon? This fine afternoon, because... Well, we've got some breaking news to bring the listeners, which is that we have got new equipment. The long-promised new podcast equipment is here. It's amazing. <laughs> We hope it sounds amazing. We don't really know. We are <laughs> flying by the seat of our pants. I feel like I'm, we're sort of recording the new Radiohead <laughs> album or something, or laying down some demos, because it's, uh, yeah, we feel like, I feel like a proper audio nerd. Yeah, we, well, we've literally just spent the last like hour and a half, <laughs> or you have, just fiddling with very, very minor adjustments to the levels also just before like literally just as we were about to start recording you're like i think you might be too close to the mic and i moved my head back about three quarters of an inch and you're like i know you're too far away now (laughs) (laughs) there's a very narrow zone that i'm allowed to operate my head in yeah exactly don't get bobbing like you usually do (laughs) usually nodding away when you're talking yeah (laughs) you did look furiously shaking my head when (laughs) when you're talking as you announced the uh, the new episode, you sort of clutched your headphones like you were recording the new Band-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> well, tonight, thank God it's there. Okay. <laughs> I do feel like because these microphones are, you know, they're proper microphones. It's like the sort of thing that, you know, like a, a pop singer might have. Uh, but yeah, we've, also, we've got them set up. We've got mics set up on their arms or booms, whatever you, whatever you like to call it. But yeah. You know, it, I just feel like I, the microphone, it just looks like the kind of thing I want to, I want to just grab it and run off with it like Michael McIntyre and go, hello. Well, I kind of do that anyway, <laughs> don't I? Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show. I'm just swinging it like Morrissey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just getting right into it. Mate, I mean, you know, I wouldn't rule it out. That is in, we are in quite a small room. We're still doing it in the, what is the sort of small spare bedroom in my flat turned clothes room now turned podcast recording studio and i've just sent a snapchat of our setup to my girlfriend you know me just like throwing her clothes out the window to make more room she for... must she must be absolutely thrilled about this buzzing <laughs> it's it's just been a slow takeover hasn't it over the last six months we've just gradually moved more and more stuff in until the point that it's basically just a recording studio now I mean, wait till the ashes actually start. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the beauty of this moment is, well, for me, it's a real, uh, it is a moment because now you get to see my master plan in, in you know, in daylight, in full light. Uh, it's interesting that you're calling it a master plan because, of course, for new listeners, this was your job, wasn't it? This was your responsibility was to order the new podcast equipment. I asked you to do it in about February. Uh, and to, I mean, to be fair to you, Tone, you know, if we know anything about you, it's that if you're given a job to do, given six to nine months you will <laughs> deliver and you've delivered this time and I, I can't argue with that exactly i you know i looked when you gave me that task in february uh, you know i looked i knew the ashes were coming up you know, <laughs> i was looking further ahead than even you were uh, and i said november that is when we'll uh, you know that is when we have to have the new equipment in by yeah well i've got to hand it to you tone it was uh, it was masterfully executed well let's get into it shall we let's test let's give these mics a ride uh, I think we should, actually, because we are literally days away from the start of the Ashes. We could probably count it in hours 
if we had some kind of maths boffin with us. Uh, but we've only got you, unfortunately. So I don't know how many hours it is, but it's a week away as we're recording this. By the time people are listening to it, uh, it will be even less time than that. It's right up in our grill now, Tone. It's even more up in our grill than it was last week. How are you coping with the adrenaline? It's coming on, yeah. Lots of uh, you know, cold flannels, dark rooms, that sort of stuff. We talked about England last time. Can you guess who we're talking about today? Go on. Australia. So we thought it might make sense as we're talking about Australia to get uh, an Australian perspective on the show. Uh, so delighted to say that Kat Jones from the Can't Bowl, Can't Throw podcast uh, was good enough to get on the phone for a, for a chat with me earlier this week just to give a bit of a sense of, of how things are shaping up down under, get her thoughts on how she thinks the series is likely to go. Yeah, so this was recorded last week pre-new equipment. So, you know, bear with the quality of this one for a little <laughs> while and then you're going to be you'll be back in the, you know, the cozy dulcet tones of uh, of me and you in a moment. It's going to sound like the dark ages <laughs> like last week's episode or something. Yeah. Cat, thanks for coming on. It's it's great to have you on the show. Yeah, it's great to be here talking to you about uh, England's certain defeat <laughs> in the Ashes. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, the Ashes kickoff is uh, is fast approaching. <laughs> How are things shaping up down under, Cat? What's your what's your sense of the the mood around the country? I guess it would be it would be pretty unusual for Australian fans not to be feeling you know confident ahead of a home Ashes series. What's what's your sense? Are people confident this time? Yeah, I think it's a little tedious. Most Australians don't really care who's here from England. They just assume that Australia's going to win. And uh, and they're, you know, righteously annoyed when it doesn't happen necessarily every time. But, you know, I think most people are feeling pretty confident. I'd like it to be a much more competitive series. It's much more fun when, uh, when a really uh, superb... I want the 2010 uh, England side out here surprising us all. Yeah, it's it's a weird one, isn't it? We haven't really had a close Ashes series for quite a while. And actually, more generally, we've not had that many close test series around the world. But, um, you know, thinking back, it's probably, what, sort of 2009 was the last time we had a really good, uh, a, a good competitive series all the way through that could have gone either way. Or 2010, I guess, 2010. Yeah, oh, it, yeah. Feels, it feels like, uh, yeah, it feels like forever, ever since we've even had an Ashes. We had so many, you know, in, in, you know, we had one a year for a little while there, and now it's been, uh, it's been ages since we've had an Ashes, so everyone's looking forward to it. Yeah, it was more than one a year for a little while, wasn't it? Um, I mean, in terms of Australia, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, results for the test side over the last year or so have been, you know, it's been a bit of a mixed bag, hasn't it? I mean, you had, there was that sort of... Uh, fairly chastening defeat at home to South Africa, but then very quickly followed by a whitewash of Pakistan. Just recently, a draw away in Bangladesh that was either a, a decent result or a catastrophe, depending on who you ask. And then in, in between, uh, you know, a series in India that, that finished up with a defeat for Australia, but they actually played some, some pretty good cricket. So it's quite difficult to, to get a handle on where this, this test side is at the moment. I guess as England fans, we're somewhat nervous coming into this series because there are so many problem areas in the England team. But is it fair to say that this Australian team has some problems of its own? Yeah, well, I think uh, getting a defeat at home last summer was a bit of a wake-up call. You know, the Australians aren't used to being beaten on our own turf. So that was spectacular. That made the summer a lot more interesting for, for all the true cricket fans. And then really surprising that Australia did so well in India. That's unexpected, but, you know, that's not going to help us here on the Australian pitches at all. So I think it's uh, there's definitely some weaknesses. We've got the same weaknesses in the uh, in the top order that, that England does. It's almost a parallel top order, really. You know, two two batsmen and uh, four fill-ins is what it feels like. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Although maybe you know, in uh, in Peter Hanscom and uh, you know, there, there's perhaps a little bit more to kind of hang your hat on as an Australian fan than than England have. You know, with the likes of James Vince and Gary Balance. But you're right in that. Yeah, there's two kind of uh, gun, you know, world class players in both lineups yeah. and then and then it's uh you know and then the rest sort of uh are, are along for the ride Kawaja, i mean usman kawaja plays extremely well at home and he's done well in the uh, sheffield shield matches so he could be your you know smoky streaky for the uh 500 in the in the series you never know yeah. he, he's capable of really banging out the runs <laughs> who's gonna bat at number six do you think 
Yeah, well, this is the main question. There's, there's two questions. There's only really two questions left in the Australian lineup, and that they are who's batting at six and also who's going to be the keeper. So, uh, and, and they won't probably announce this until just before the uh, Brisbane test. So they're really still auditioning everyone in this Sheffield Shield round that's going on at the moment, the first-class cricket that's happening uh, state to state here in Australia this weekend. So number six, uh, you know, I uh, Maxwell is the most recent number six in tests and he did reasonably well in his last uh, outing and now he's doing pretty he's doing pretty solid work in the in the state cricket as well he got two 60s in the last two matches although he didn't do too well today but we've also got you know Cartwright Hilton Cartwright Cameron Bancroft uh, Jake Lehman from South Australia Buff's son and uh, Callum Ferguson there's a whole bunch of sort of middle order sort of wannabes who some of who who for whom have played and some haven't before so it could be a newbie it could be someone new but I Hopefully it'll be Maxwell because he's so much fun. I've heard some talk about Daniel Hughes. Can you tell us anything about him? Yeah, so he's uh, the, the main claim to fame for Daniel Hughes is he comes from the correct state and he's a friend of Steve Smith. So, so he's uh, everyone's been laughing about him. Um, he's actually just turfed uh, poor old Ed Cowan out of the New South Wales side. Um, Ed Cowan, the sort of incumbent. Um, best ever, uh, uh, you know, batsman for last year in state cricket. And uh, he's, he's still in really great form. Like, you know, I'd be almost selecting him for the Australian side. And Daniel Hughes is just someone who's much younger, made of Steve Smith. You know, let's select him out of nowhere. You know, good, solid batsman, you know, in a few years' time maybe. But uh, I don't think he's a, a real chance unless we unless a whole bunch of the top order just fall over, you know, and unless they all go down with injuries or something else. Yeah, that wouldn't necessarily be the, the strongest claim to selection that you're just a mate of the captain, although, you know, it wouldn't be the first time that that's happened in uh, in test cricket history and yeah. and you know and i guess even you know steve smith's original selection or at least when he sort of came back into the team you know i always remember that part of the reason for that was because you know they thought he was quite a funny guy and just good to have around the dressing room and uh, you know that's turned out pretty well in the end so you never know that must have been a total myth though because i can't really imagine steve smith being a funny guy anymore he seems to be the grumpiest one in the whole side <laughs> I guess the thing that, that England fans are, are most nervous about is the Australian bowling attack, and that's partly because England's batting lineup looks so vulnerable. But it's also because the Australian bowling attack is, you know, is really, really strong. And I mean, Mitchell Stark doesn't look to be in bad form, does he? Yeah, well, he'll be good at cleaning up the tail. And uh, look, some of the England top orders sometimes act a bit like the tail as well. So he may be good at cleaning them up too. But I think, you know, look, Joe Root's going to have no trouble negotiating uh, Mitchell Stark, I wouldn't have thought. But but yeah, look, there's a few in the order that will have trouble. But he's he's got, uh, what was it, two, two hat-tricks in the last couple of Shield matches. But they were all tail-enders. They were the bottom three wickets. Uh, mm. So Stark is just dynamite at the moment though he's in he's in good touch but despite that you know and obviously he is someone that uh you know i'm already having nightmares about but and i don't even have to face him but uh, i'm almost more worried about hazelwood actually you know as uh he's just been so consistent and he seems like the the kind of bowler that england in particular will have real trouble against i mean right ryan, ryan harris has, has said that he thinks this current attack is even better than the attack from four years ago which obviously was Harris himself, Peter Siddle and Mitchell Johnson. I mean, what, what do you think? Do you think there's any truth to that? Is this attack as good as that one? Yeah, I reckon it is. I, I'd say with, with Patrick Cummins in there, Lyon is in better form as well as a spinner. Mitchell Stark as good as Mitchell Johnson, I would expect. And, of course, Mitchell Johnson kind of came out of nowhere in the last series. It, and it's like one body, one bowler has to come good in a spectacular way and take, you know, 20 wickets for the series. And that's the end of you, you know. So uh, it, it could be Mitchell Stark, but you're right, it could be Hazelwood. It could be Pat Cummins. Uh, so you only need one of them to come good. But likewise, you only need one England batsman to come good. Then, you know, make a really competitive series and it'll be either Cook or Root, probably Root, won't it? You mentioned Nathan Lyon there. I mean, I've always felt that he is, he must be one of the most, if not the most underrated cricketers in the world. Is that the case in Australia as much as it is here? I mean, he, he never gets much press 
coming into an Ashes series in the UK. But I mean, what, what's the feeling in Australia now? Do people appreciate what a good bowler he is at this point? I think it's very, very underrated in Australia because the average Australian cricket fan only ever watches the cricket in Australia. And of course, that's not his best patch. You know, he often, as he did well in, in India, he does well in one test. But I think people are assuming, and, and you know, you've got this horrible spectre of anyone who's not as good as Shane Warne is pretty hopeless, which is not true at all. But that that's the that's the average, uh, you know, uh, yobbo cricket fan in Australia, <laughs> and they don't really appreciate him because you've got to you've got to be a fast bowler on the Australian wickets. So, unfortunately, Nathan Lyon doesn't really get all that uh, kudos he deserves for being such a spectacular spinner. He's really great. The second test is going to be a historic occasion, of course. It's, it's, it'll be the first day-night Ashes test. Obviously, we had the first day-night test in England over the summer, and it wasn't uncontroversial. There were a, a fair few grumbles about it from, from certain quarters, but there have been several in Australia now, haven't there? And, and they've been fairly well-received, I think. Yeah, look, I think everyone, uh, the spectators love it, the commentators love it. It's a fantastic. I've been to, to Adelaide to the day-night test for the last couple of years and that's been just so much fun. So it's uh, it, it's mainly been some of the cricketers who've been critical of it. Again, Steve Smith, not he, he's not uh, totally comfortable with the day-night test. They complain about the, bo- the pink ball and... You know, people have this uh, heebie-jeebies about the ball swinging under lights, which seems ridiculous. So it, it's some of the players who are not so keen on it, I think. Well, it'll be very interesting to see how it how it turns out. Not long to go then. Kat, are you, are you excited? Are you ready for things to get going? I think I think you said you're, you're going to the first test in Brisbane. Yeah, yeah, I'm off to the, to the first test in Brisbane. I'm really excited. It's starting to get really close now. So once the warm-up games, I think there's one more warm-up game to get through for England and uh, once this Sheffield Shield round is over, it'll be everyone looking forward to the to the Brisbane test. So very, very exciting. And uh, it'll also be a bit of sort of potluck, which, uh, which England player will be injured and have to go home. I think, uh, is it Ball, who's Jake Ball, who's been injured, ruled out and then ruled back in, I think, today? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, already, Steve Finn's already <laughs> had to go home as well. And he obviously was a late call up anyway. Um, we, we haven't actually talked about Ben yeah. Stokes. I mean, what's what's the what's the feeling in in Australia about it? Obviously, it seems very unlikely at this point that Stokes is going to play any part. Has that been? Are people kind of uh, happy about that because they won't see him turn out for England, or is there some kind of tinge of disappointment that they won't see him? You know, in, in Australia. Oh, look, the real you know real cricket fans are really disappointed because it would have made a much more competitive series. But I think the average again, the average Australian. Uh, horrible yobbo cricket fan probably just wants uh, all the weak England players to be here but I have a different view on Stokes to every single other person I think and I actually think he should come I think they should ECB should bring him and I've got a lot of reasons for thinking that and I actually think there is a a faint chance that he will come I think uh, even for the he may even be here for the second test but certainly for the third test I think it's reasonably likely and I think it's a really good idea to bring him and the media in Australia are generally saying oh he can't tour you know he punched someone I mean really self-righteous garbage from from a lot of Australians who are you know equally violent and stupid and in some cases picking players uh, to tour overseas that have done outrageous things as well so um, Australia certainly doesn't have the moral high ground on this one. Mm. Cricket has uh, a bit of responsibility here. You know, they're paying Ben Stokes a fortune. Um, He's, you know, sort of out on the town and sort of allowed to roam free. And is he getting enough guidance? Is he getting some alcohol counselling? You know, I just, um, I feel like uh, the ECB needs to invest a bit more in him, not just leave him at home to do what the hell he likes, waiting for his next IPL you know, contract. I, I feel like he'd be better in Australia and getting some rehabilitation for whatever his alcohol and uh, and violence problems are and uh, playing cricket. Yeah, I suppose he wouldn't really be a flight risk, would he? Uh, even if they took him out to Australia, you know, you would think the authorities wouldn't be too worried that he'd suddenly abscond. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, look, they haven't charged him yet. I think it's unlikely they're going to charge him with anything. It's possible, but I think it's very unlikely. Mm. Okay, well, it's, uh, as we say, it's uh, not long to go and it's, it's all very exciting. Um, I've always enjoyed your podcast, Cat, Can't Bowl, Can't Throw. 
Uh, will, you be, uh, will you be bringing us new episodes throughout the series? Yes, we've uh, recorded one, I think, on the on the, the 3rd of November. We've got another one coming up just before Brisbane. So we'll try and keep those uh, podcasts rolling through. Uh, so, as you know, it's, it's always difficult to get uh, the time to sort of catch up when the, the matches are so close together, in some cases during the Ashes. You know, they just come at you one after another, which is why it's so glorious. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, thanks, Kat. Thanks a lot for coming on the show. No problem. Great to talk to you. Cat Jones there. Uh, like an idiot, so I forgot to ask her for a prediction. Uh, so I messaged her afterwards uh, to ask her what she thinks. And she is going for a 4-1 win for Australia. You weren't sure there, were you? I was, left, was yeah, I was left. <laughs> I saw your eyes light up. But it was for Australia rather than England. She thinks England are going to win in Adelaide. Interesting to hear her say, Tone, that she agrees with Ryan Harris, uh, who a while ago came out and said that, that he thinks that this current bowling unit is as strong or stronger as the one four years ago. Now, if that is true, that's a slightly terrifying prospect, I think, because as we discussed last time, England's batting lineup is significantly worse than it was four years ago. And four years ago, it got absolutely torn apart. What do you think, Tone? Do, do you think this Australian attack is as good as that Australian attack was? Uh, yeah, no, I, I would agree with both of them, uh, both Kat and Ryan. Yeah, I mean, it, it's at least as strong, isn't it? I mean, it's not not stronger. <laughs> Wait. It's, not, it's certainly not weaker than it was four years okay. ago. Uh, and yeah I, yeah, I think there is a very strong argument that it is stronger overall. You know, whether- There's a not, not strong argument that it's not not stronger i would agree exactly that will one of the pace bowlers this series match what mitchell johnson did four years ago you know you'd have to say possibly probably unlikely uh you know he took 37 wickets at 13.97 which yeah it was just a a devastating nightmare performance Mm. from an england perspective uh the stuff of nightmares literally literally and if if any of the the pace attack can match that in Australia's unit. You know, Stark is probably going to be the man to do it, mm. you know, based on form and, and sort of overall class and, and record. Uh, but, you know, that, that would be an out-of-his-skin performance to do that. You know, that, that performance from Johnson was one of the best bowling performances ever uh, in an Ashes series. But overall, you know, you look back, Siddle was good and he was dangerous and he took wickets and he chipped in, but maybe slightly more workmanlike overall. You compare him to you know the current crop; they're probably a bit more, bit more classy, a bit more dynamic, and and maybe have you know even more of a cutting edge. Yeah, so it's maybe a more complete attack, isn't it? As Cat was talking about, Nathan Lyon is a better bowler now than he was then, and then as you say, Siddle. I mean, Siddle's underrated, isn't he? And Siddle, Siddle the, was a fantastic bowler for Australia, but but Pat Cummins is maybe a bit more devastating. You know, he can sort of more likely to take a team apart than than Siddle ever was you know Siddle would always chip in but was less likely to sort of run through a team it's probably a more complete stack I don't know whether you can say it's as good simply because of the Johnson factor there might be an element of forgetting just how good Johnson was I agree with you genuinely one of the best bowling performances across a series ever at least at the very least since the days of Ambrose and Walsh and and Wackar and and Wassim I, I don't think there's been a a bowling performance like that and then you add in Ryan Harris as well, who was also, he was, you know, had Johnson not been there, Harris's performance would have been seen as one of the great performances ever because he was also superb. I was watching the other day the uh, the clip of the Ryan Harris ball of the century to Alistair Cook. I can't remember what test it was in. It was, I think it was the third or the fourth test, but it was the first ball of the innings. It's genuinely, it must be one of the best balls ever bowled. First ball of an innings, Harris runs up and the ball it's moving away from Cook like towards the slips then it starts to swing back in towards middle and leg and then it Cook plays for that line and it and then it swings away again and just clips the top of off what what are you meant to do with that um so Harris was almost as good as Johnson so I don't know whether it's as good as four years ago but it doesn't really matter does it it's still very very good and as 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 we say this England batting unit is not nearly as good as it was four years ago so in terms of the net result you know the gulf between the bowling and the batting it might be as big or bigger 
Well, I was just about to say that, you know, the way that attack dovetails in with the England batting lineup, you know, could we be a, you know, could start replicate mm. what Johnson did? I mean, you know, there are victims there if he wants them. Yeah, you know, hopefully from an England fan's point of view, you know, one, two, three of, you know, Vince, Stoneman, Milan step up and, and have big series. Uh, but Australia are going to take a few wickets this winter. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Well, that's certainly true. But then, <laughs> but in terms of you know thinking thinking that it's going to be a, a disaster, or, th- or thinking that Stark might have a Johnson type series, I mean that's certainly possible. But you know this is all assuming that these fast bowlers stay fit, and that's not a given. I mean they've already lost James Pattinson, who was meant to be in the mix as well. You know it was you know it could have been Pattinson or, or Cummins, or Pattinson's out of the picture now. Pat Cummins has only ever played five Tests, and we're now six years since he made his debut. Stark's fitness record is not unblemished either so you know that is a question whether whether all three can play all five tests I, I would say is, is reasonably unlikely yeah and you know the way things are going on their opposition as well you know there could be a lot of batsman bowling from from both sides uh did you see Stefan Jones's I know blog thing about you know he's a bowling coach specialist bowling coach he's actually done some work with Guernsey uh, in the last few years, uh, when Nick Pothis was the the coach of Guernsey, but yeah, he, he's a, a sort of specialist bowling coach, and he, he was just talking about the way bowlers are yeah are being brought up these days is creating you know creating fragile fast bowlers, and you know that is very much what we've seen, isn't it? Uh, as you say, and that that Australia lineup kind of typifies that, and it, yeah, it's an interesting piece. He just talks about you know specialising too early, just running on treadmills not creating bowlers with uh you know robust bodies that can can go out and do it and you know bowl at a day's worth of test cricket and a you know a lumpy end and it, yeah it's interesting stuff so as you say then you know you doubt that all of those australian bowlers are going to play every test like mitchell johnson did and england have obviously got injury problems of their own and uh, particularly in in the bowling department we're not sure whether jake balls going to be fit so whether all you know whether all of England's first choice bowlers can play all five tests is is also open to question. But I mean, assuming that you know these bowlers do play, do you think it could be quite a low scoring series then? Because you'd, you'd certainly say that England's stronger suit is their bowlers as well. So could we looking could we be looking at a uh, a lot of low totals? I think there'd be a fair few. You know, I think mentioned it last week. The runs are going to mean a lot in this series, particularly from an England perspective. You'd imagine, again, if if Stoneman, Vince, Milan, uh, balance if he comes in at, at some stage, you know, if they get fifties, hundreds, that's gonna they're gonna mean an awful, awful lot. And uh, you know, when you look at the Australian batting lineup, there are you know, there's obviously you know, David Warner is is devastating, particularly on home soil. Yeah, you know, Steve Smith's a class act clearly, and you know, Peter Hanscom, Kawaja got great records too. But then there are there are holes in that Australian batting lineup as well. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. You know, I think England can get into them. There's definitely a fragility about it, isn't there? There's 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 question marks in the lower middle order. We're not sure who's going to bat at six. Um, not sure who's going to bat at seven. We're not sure who the wicketkeeper's going to be. There's question marks about some of the other guys as well. Kawaja could be brilliant, but he could be the opposite. And he's got a poor record against England. And Hanscom, who's made a great start in Test cricket, but you know he's he's got a lot to prove still as well. You know, I mentioned it last week as well about the number of you know, Ashes debutants in the England side. There's, there's actually more potentially in the Australian team and uh, in that batting lineup as a whole. So, you know, that, that it's new pressures for them. You know, it's a new theatre to, to perform in and you don't know what's going to be, what's going to happen. Mm. We don't know how they're going to handle it. So I, I do think that England's bowlers won't be intimidated about bowling to this Australian batting lineup. They probably will fancy their chances, especially if they can get on top of Warner and Smith. But I suppose that's the question, isn't it? Can they get on top of Warner and Smith? You're a massive David Warner fan, aren't you? Well, yeah. I mean, it's tough not to be. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you know, if it is a low-scoring series, that probably suits Warner as well because you know he can, as we've seen time and time again, uh, you know, pile on runs very, very quickly, and even in a low-scoring match, he could easily you know in an hour change the face of a game or, or less time at all but he loves batting in australia as well 14 of his 20 test hundreds have been in australia his average at home is 23 runs higher 
than it is away from home. So it's some, it's about 59 at home and 36 away from home. So that average away from home is a mark against him in terms of thinking about, you know, is he one of the, the greats of the era? But that's irrelevant in this series because he's batting at home where he's uh, uh, he's got a tremendous record. So he's certainly a worry for England, isn't he? Uh, and yeah, the, obviously the other gun player in the lineup is, is Steve Smith. We talked about him a while ago, Tim. We, we had a, a, a frank and honest Steve Smith discussion on the show a few months back and, and wondering whether he might be a little bit underrated. And particularly in this country, is Steve Smith a little bit underrated? I think we, we've probably been guilty in the past of, of underrating Smith a little bit, just in, just in terms of the fact that his test record is ludicrously good and actually significantly better than the other players who are supposedly his, you know, his contemporaries, his rivals for the title of, you know, best batsman in the world, you know, Coley, Root, Williamson, you know, Smith's average is actually about five to 10 runs higher than most of those. Currently, he's averaging just a shade under 60 in tests. And it's actually just come down after uh, under 60 after a, uh, a poor series in, in Bangladesh. But again, he loves batting in Australia as well. He averages the best part of 70 in Australia. So, I mean, perhaps the reason that he's slightly underrated in England is that his average against England is not as high as that. He only averages 43 against England. Do you think that could start to change in this series? Are you, are you worried about Smith? Very possibly, very probably. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not quite the perfect analogy, but he is, he, he's got a lot in common with Harry Kane, I think. You know, Harry Kane is, is somewhat underrated. Uh, you know, he's getting more rated, obviously, yeah. the more goals he scores. But the way he came, you know, sort of was brought in and introduced to the uh, the public as a whole, Kane, you know, he was sort of slightly, his face didn't slightly fit. That, you know, it didn't quite look like a, a world-class footballer. Yeah, it didn't all sort of fit the picture to begin with, but then he's just got better and better and better. And I think that's the same with Steve Smith in that, you know, when he first arrived, obviously he came in as a bowler, but he just, he just didn't look the, he looked like a sort of a young pup version of Shane Warne, didn't he? And not someone you could imagine going on to become a a complete Rolls Royce batsman, which is what he's done. And yeah, you know, the opportunities there for him in this series, for sure. Yeah, no one expected it can't imagine really anybody expected that he would do what he's done and and again as we as we talked about when we we discussed him on the show a few months ago you know his test average is you know essentially 60 but actually his average since he became good is <laughs> about 70 you know he, he in his first couple of years of test cricket his test average was nowhere near that because he wasn't even a batsman you know since he actually you know started batting in the middle order um, his test average is about 70. It's, it's phenomenal. In thinking about Warner and who, he's, who Warner's going to open up with, yeah, we're, we're not sure. Suddenly the, the identity of, of, of his opening partner is in a little bit of doubt. Not so long ago, it seemed like Matt Renshaw had you know, got that spot nailed down. Uh, but he had a poor time of it in Bangladesh and his, his poor run has, has continued into the start of the Sheffield Shield season. In his past eight innings, his top score is 22. Meanwhile, Cameron Bancroft, who who would be a potential replacement, uh, has scored a couple of massive hundreds and, and and looks to be in great form. So some people are saying, you know, might be that there could be a change in the offing. But I don't know. I I like Renshaw. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be making a change just yet. I, yeah, he's not in great form, but in his Test career so far, he's looked really good. And and you know, he's a proper sort of old fashioned bed and breakfast type <laughs> Test match batsman. I think he's a great foil for Warner. I think it's. You know, I think that's a great thing for Australia to have Renshaw at one end, he's trying to bat all day, and Warner at the other end, he's trying to hit every ball out of the park. Essentially, I mean, that's an oversimplification, but I, I just think that's that, that's a great partnership potentially. Renshaw, along with Peter Hanscom, when they when they came in after the the defeats against South Africa last year, really just kind of transformed the look of that batting lineup. And it, yeah, it's still a little fragile, but it was an absolute train wreck against South Africa, and just the introduction of those two players really changed the feel and well, and changed the quality of the batting lineup. I think Hanscom could actually do really well in this series. I like the look of his technique. He's a really classy player. So as I say, yeah, both he and Renshaw do have something to prove and the England bowlers will think they've got an opportunity to to highlight that. But, you know, he's certainly a player with a lot of potential and, and I think he could have a really good series. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, you know, a couple of weeks ago when England arrived in Australia... 
uh, a, you know, there's a bit of fun poked at them saying, you know, but very few of them would be recognised if they walked down the street in uh, in Perth or Brisbane. And that, that, you know, that's probably slightly true. But then, you know, you look at the Australian, you know, the, you know sort of the potential Australian team, and you know, if they got offered a plane in England, I mean, you know, how many people would recognise more than one or two of them? It, there is a, there's a new look to both sides. So that, that sort of leads me to think, yeah, are we being too down on England at the moment? But I, th- you know, I think we did mention it last week. If this series was being played in England, everything else the same, you'd, you wouldn't make maybe you wouldn't make England as heavy favourites as Australia are. But you may have England shading it, or at least yeah, it being completely split down the middle. So in that sense, yeah, there there is hope there for England. But oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm clutching. You talk a lot. You talk a lot about names. <laughs> you talk a lot. You talk a lot. You talk a lot. You talk a lot, don't you? <laughs> God, you talk a lot. <laughs> you talk a lot about names, Tony, don't you? Your your, uh, your analysis of cricket quite often comes down to names. What yeah. sort of names have they got in the team? Um, England are probably lacking a few names, aren't they? Are, are Australia lacking some names as well? Well, oh, well, that's it. I mean, that feeds into what I was just saying. You know, we well, talk a lot, Tony. It's hard to <laughs> hard to keep up with all of it. Come, you know, Cummins. You know, how many people? You know, if you said name Australian cricketers, okay hardcore cricket fans would but you know pat cummins i don't know what doesn't you know wouldn't necessarily leap out as a as an out and outer uh you know hanscom renshaw i don't know yeah it you know they're not a sort of bombastic settled all their 11 are they so yeah there is probably a, a lack of names on both sides at the moment does that mean then that you know that this series is ultimately you know a contest between two mediocre teams to work out which one is slightly less <laughs> mediocre or is that harsh? That's probably a bit of a downer. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't agree with myself there because I think, uh, you know, as we said last time, England do have some of the best players in the world. They do have some world-class players in their lineup, and Australia do too, you know, in Warner, in Smith, in Stark and Hazelwood uh, and one or two others. You know, they're, they're some genuinely world-class players. So describing them as mediocre seems slightly over the top, but they're they're quite weird teams in a sense. Certainly England, it feels like there are these world-class players, but then there's a massive gap in class down to the other guys in the team. In Australia, there's an element of that too. So uh, it's quite a strange matchup in some ways. With the way that the uh, England selection has gone, it, it's kind of, it's not been like, oh, you know, for the last couple of years, England have had seven, eight, nine, you know, eight, nine, I don't know, a number of, absolute stars and then it's just like oh well you know oh there's this great this great uh young hope coming along oh, let, yeah he's in the team now brilliant you know, really excited. it's kind of been like a rotation of uh, of county players none of whom are coming in particularly they're not getting any build-up hmm. uh they're not, there's not much hype you know when when the likes of of cook root uh and I, I suppose you know they are not quite but almost sort of once in a generation players that's it's probably harsh to expect or it's probably too much to expect those kind of players to come along every summer but it, it yeah it has kind of been a, just like a suck it and see like let, you know how well is craig overton gonna do in this series i, I don't know i mean you know he, he's looked decent in the uh in the warm-ups but yeah i've no idea how well he's gonna do <laughs> no well, well it's true it's it's a good point Tone. <laughs> thanks do you want to composite 11 yeah, go for it. I've, I've made one as well, actually. Have you? Yeah, just for, just for my own, you know, my own benefit, really. Just for your own Not amusement, for the listeners. Yeah, you don't want to say it on the. No, show? I can share it if you want. Let me hear yours first. Okay. Well, let's hear yours first, then, because otherwise the listeners will assume that you're just copying me. Yeah. Okay. Well, if I was to pick an eleven, mm-hmm. a composite eleven, a composite eleven, Cook and Warner opening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't imagine you've gone differently. Uh, that's that. what I've got. Yeah. Uh, I'd have Root at three. Yeah, I think you looked over my shoulder, didn't you? <laughs> uh, Smith, Hanscom, 4-5. Bairstow, 6. Yeah, it's all the same so far. Ali, 7. Mm-hmm. I've got Lyon in there as well at 8. Okay, well, I wouldn't uh, bat him at 8. But... No, but, well, he, he's in there anyway. Yeah, Lyon, Stark, Broad, Hazelwood. Interesting. Oh, you've gone for Broad ahead of Anderson. Yeah. Well, we're exactly the same, apart from I've got Anderson ahead of Broad. Oh, there we go. Okay, that's interesting. Anderson's bowled really well in the warm-ups so far. Um, and Broad hasn't had a great year. But then Broad was superb in Australia four years ago. He was basically the only England player that did well. 
Yeah, I've, the only reason what well, I, I plumped for Broad based on just his sort of ashes kind of gumption, his uh, he's faced off adversity before last you know last time he went down. Yeah, he knows what it's all about, and he's also got a magnificent record of bowling ashes winning spells, hasn't he? Exactly. Yeah, possibly too much to hope that he can do it again <laughs> this time, but you never know. Well, no, that's that's fascinating, Tom. We've got ten players the same. Maybe um, we should punt that out. Uh, on Twitter and see if anyone or who goes differently to us. Well, it's actually one of the easier composite 11s to select, I think. Probably true. Because again, as we say, in both teams, there are... There are obvious there, standouts. Yeah, there are several world-class players and then some no-names. So it's it's not a difficult one. Like really, just the picking three out of four <laughs> obvious fast Well, don't undermine <laughs> me here. It's the first time I've ever done a composite 11. It's one of the easiest, really. <laughs> One of the easiest ever in the 300-plus episodes we've done. I'd go so far as to say the easiest <laughs> by quite a long way. Well, there we go. I've, I've, you know, that's probably why I, I took it off. Oh, well the done, hanging fruit. fruit. <laughs> low-hanging fruit. Yeah. God, you talk a lot, don't you? Um, that also means that we've both got five England players and six Australians. Yeah. What do you make of that? What do you make of that fact? Uh, well... I don't think it's quite an accurate reflection, though, is it, of, of the balance? I don't know. Uh, the Gary. The Gary. The Gary Simon. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting. Though, cause that's why we do the composite 11s, because it does... It... What do you mean by that's why we do the composite <laughs> 11s? <laughs> I've been doing my own composite 11s for years, and you've swanned in. We've got, suddenly we've got new equipment, and you yeah. think, it, <laughs> think it's a new era. But that, yeah, it does, it does shed new light on the... Uh, you know, it's a simple exercise, isn't it? But it sheds new light on, on what's going on. Yeah, clearly England and Australia's strengths and weaknesses are, you know, are, are in slightly different places, aren't they, in the eleven? Mm. I talked briefly with Kat about the day-night thing, the fact that the second test in Adelaide is a, is a day-night test. Uh, we said last time we're you know, particularly looking forward to that game <laughs> purely because the, the time zone, the timing works much better than it does for the other ones. In terms of the cricket... What kind of an impact do you think that will have? You know, it's the first ever day-night Ashes test. Australia are much more accustomed to playing test cricket under lights than England are. Could that make a difference? Could it have an impact on the series? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a wild card, isn't it, still? Uh, you know, I don't, we didn't learn huge amounts from the day-night test in England this summer, I don't think. You know, very, very different conditions, match situation, opposition. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, I find it sort of... It's, Tough to predict, really. I th- yeah, as you say, though, Australia will be more familiar with it, uh, which can only count in their favour. Yeah, and particularly their bowlers, both Stark and Hazelwood, do have, well, I mean, it, it's a small sample size, only only three day-night tests that they've played, but they've both got much better bowling averages in day-night games than they do in day games. And their day-game averages are pretty good, but, you know, they're both their bowling averages in day-night are both around 20, and both have taken... Five, uh, significant five wicket hauls and that would be the concern i think that a the australian batsman would just be a little bit more accustomed to to dealing with the movement of the pink ball and secondly that the yeah that the australian bowlers particularly stark and hazelwood uh you know that it, it's going to be it, it's already pretty tough for the likes of james vince and david milan to face them and it'll be even tougher if the ball does hoop around under lights uh, is there anything you want to add about England after last week? Anything over the last week that's uh, shifted your opinions at all about? Do you suddenly want Gary Balance in the team? No, <laughs> I mean, no, I don't know. What, you know, Wokes taking six for today—that's that's a big encouragement. Uh, you know, it's, it's a bit of a bonus, isn't it, for England to have him back? Oh, it's a huge plus because he wasn't like he was clearly not fit in the summer, and he, he did having been so brilliant last year. We said last time, if he's fit and firing, you know, he's a massive asset. But if not, England's bowling attack doesn't look nearly as strong. You know, there's a, there's a weakness in the attack. So if he is bowling really well and taking wickets, that, that is a huge plus for England because suddenly, you know, because they've got that kind of complete attack that Australia have. There's no real obvious weak link. So yeah, he took six wickets today. Overton took a couple more wickets and he took wickets in, in the warm-up game last week too. So he could, he could well end up in the team for the first test. Which again, you'd think, well, why didn't he play in the summer? They did say there wouldn't be any debutants in, in Brisbane, and you wonder why, you know, he's suddenly come out of nowhere when he could have played against the West Indies. But he certainly seems to be in form. 
Did you see that Paul Collingwood had to field in the in the warm up game the other day? England's injury crisis uh, meant that Collingwood had to to put on the whites. He had to put on some whites he'd borrowed from Mason Crane, who seems like not the obvious candidate to borrow whites from. You know, given he's about twelve. Um, but yeah, Collingwood was was on the field. In all seriousness, I'd be tempted to play him. <laughs> like genuinely, would would you have less? Confidence? Well, he got into the World Eleven, didn't he? <laughs> he did get into the World Eleven. Yeah. Would would you be less confident about Collingwood facing Stark and Hazelwood than than Balance or Milan or Vince? It, I mean, it could come to it, couldn't it? He's got, he he got a way better average in the county championship this season than Vince. It's got to be an option. It would be a wild card, wouldn't it? But it would be uh, yeah. I hope it doesn't come to that. <laughs> I mean, my, my yeah. I think the genuine concern is you know it is exciting. You know what's so great about the Ashes is you know you do there's certainly more interest. From you know an England fans' perspective, there's more interest in the opposition team than there would be in uh, you know in any other series. Obviously, uh, you know it is, it, there's so much to pour into, and it's gonna it's all gonna build up. It's gonna be so exciting for that first session, <laughs> the first half session. But if England do get walloped in the first test and it falls away quickly, it just does become really depressing. Yeah. So I just hope it doesn't come to that. Who do you think is going to play in the final test in Sydney? <laughs> That's the question, really, isn't it? What will our composite eleven be after the series? Yeah, yeah. God, I am nervous. I have to say, how do you see it going then, Tone? Realistically, I'm nervous. I think you're nervous as well. But well, call it for me. I want you to call this for me now. Who's going to win the Ashes, and what's the score going to be? Uh, well, I think you know Australia are going to win it. The score. I don't, I don't. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say four-one, uh, but that, that that's what that's what I came into this podcast. What I walked into the room thinking, and I, I, you know, I shouldn't let us, you know, remotely talk me out of it. That's what you came here to say. Yeah, you came here with a composite eleven <laughs> and four-one written on a piece of paper. As we said, you know, there there are issues with this Australian team. It's not, you know, it's not like this England team are going to the great Australian team. Mm. Where you would you wouldn't even bother getting on the plane, would you? But that said, you know, I don't know. You know, if England were to win the series, if they were to take it three-two, where would that rank in not just cricket, England cricket history, mm. but in 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 sport, recent sports history, in terms of what a you know what a performance that would be? Well, as I said last time, I actually wouldn't be that surprised if they do win because I, I think there's a chance. Um, I don't think this Australia side. I think their bowlers are brilliant, but I think they have weaknesses in the team, particularly in the batting. I think England have got some of the best players in the world. I think they've got a really good chance, but it's unlikely, you know. So if they do pull it off, you know, it would it would rank as one of their one of their best achievements in in the last decade for sure. It'd be up there with you know the win in India in 2012 and the win in Australia in 2010. I wouldn't put a lot of money on it happening, but it's not impossible. I, I do. I, 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 as I said last time, I just think Brisbane is massive. I think Brisbane is so massive. Momentum is a bit of a myth in cricket, and we've certainly seen that, you know, in in Test series in recent years with with England getting absolutely hammered one week and then thrashing the opposition the following week. And you know that happened in the summer with it, against South Africa and against West Indies. So I suppose we shouldn't build it up too much. If England do lose in Brisbane, it's not actually the end of the series. And it, it, you know, we talk about how the first session of the first Test, the first session of the first day of the first Test. It's like, oh, well, you can tell where the series is going from that. It's actually not the case. If you look at the last two Ashes tours, in 2010, England had a really bad first day. Peter Siddle took a hat-trick and, the, you know, and England ended up winning that series. In 2013, England had a really good first day and bowled Australia out and Stuart Broad took a load of wickets and they ended up losing 5-0. So actually, you know, historically, factually, the first day doesn't really give us much, uh, much guidance but it do, the the result of the first test does feel significant on an Ashes tour in a way that it doesn't necessarily in other series because, you know, for England at least, like if England win, that doesn't necessarily mean they'll win the series. But if they get walloped, you know, if there's going to be a whitewash in this series, there's only one team that's going to do the whitewashing, isn't there? Before we wrap up... Hang on, what's your prediction? Oh yeah, you, I was, I was going to try and get away without making a prediction, Tone. You've already copied my composite 11. <laughs> I've just got a feeling about 4-1. I just think it's... Uh, it's going that way. No, I, I'm gonna. I'm more optimistic than you, Tane. Three one. <laughs> Marginal. <laughs> 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi guys, Adam Bayford here, coming to you from the past, from the dismal days before Tony heroically sorted us out with new recording equipment. Just a quick note to say that if you enjoy the World Cricket Show, why not leave a rating or a review for us on iTunes, or whichever podcast platform you use. It really does make a difference, pushing us up the charts and helping to bring new listeners to the show. And if you've done it already, thank you. And now back to your regularly scheduled programming. On Twitter, Tone, on the social networking platform Twitter, listeners have been sending us questions uh, to do with this Australia team and with the, with the Ashes in general, so that we could tackle a few of those. CJ wants to know, how come everyone is so pessimistic about England's prospects when, when their team, Australia, have problems of their own? Um, which we've obviously kind of talked about throughout this uh, throughout this preview. But, you know, do you think there's something in that? Are we being too pessimistic? No, I mean, yeah, well, possibly we are being, you know, we might seem like we are being quite pessimistic. But I think based on the fact that twice in the last decade, Australia have whitewashed England on their own home soil. You know, that that's just, you know, we've got a sort of cricketing PTSD, haven't we? <laughs> Uh, you know, just the, the mere thought of sending a slightly understrength kind of Swiss cheese of a team down to Australia, yeah, it just puts on a, puts us on edge a bit, doesn't it? Mm. Yes, because I, I think it's I think it is the home advantage. I, I think if if this series was being played in England, I'd be much more confident, and I'd probably put England as favourites. Um, I, I don't think it's that Australia are a particularly outstanding team necessarily. They've got very good bowlers, but I don't think they're an outstanding team. But the fact that they're at home, as we say, Warner and Smith have tremendous records at home. Kawaja will be much better at home than he would be away. That does just tip the scales and, and tip them pretty emphatically. And, you know, yeah, in- England's victory in 2010 is one of their all-time great results. But that, that team that went in 2010 was probably the best England team that we've seen in the last 10, 15 plus years, you know, in terms of just in terms of personnel and the way they played as a unit and they had some of their all-time great players in, in Cook and Peterson and, uh, and Trott and Bell and, and Anderson and they all performed to, the, the, to their peak. But it was still a very tight series that they had to work very hard for that victory against what was not one of the great Australian teams. So it's a very difficult task to win in Australia, particularly over a five-test series. Almost nobody has done it in the last 30 years. And as you say, the fact that this is not an all-time great England team, they've got some great players, but there's massive, massive problems in the team. It makes what, what was already a very, very difficult task look Herculean. A question from Andrew Richards. Who will the Aussies pick on now Ben Stokes isn't there? They've said they're going to target Root. Well, yeah, he's going to come in for a fair amount, isn't he? And he's got a fair amount on his plate. I don't know, you know, uh, yeah, come the, the fifth test, you know... They might just feel bad picking on people, I don't know. Lizzie Ammon, friend of the show Lizzie Ammon, has, uh, has got a question here. She wants to know, what are better, custard creams or hobnobs? And then she says, oh, you meant about cricket, didn't you? Well, in the first question, neither. Not really into either. Oh, come on, mate. You're not into hobnobs? No, not into them. Well, it sparked a furious debate on Twitter. You know, people sticking up for both sides. I, n- I would never ever go to the shop and buy custard creams or hobnobs <laughs> i may have a, a custard cream if someone bought in a selection box of biscuits which even then would be a disappointing <laughs> thing to bring into work 
but I may have a custard cream. I, I've got to say, I don't get custard creams. <laughs> custard creams are a disgrace. Well, I've just introduced you to frozen Kit Kats. Yeah, you gave me a Kit Kat before the show just to sort of pick my spirits up. Yeah, and a uh, sweet cup of tea and a Kit Kat, and you got it out the freezer. Yeah, phenomenal. Get your Kit Kats in the freezer. It was it was good. I have to say, I wouldn't describe it as a game changer necessarily, but it it was good. Yeah, it's just it, I don't know. It just arrives in such great in a great place when it comes out the freezer. It's freezing cold. It accentuates the the the, the snap when you break the two fingers apart. It's great. <laughs> I hope that answers your question, Lizzie. She has got a, a cricket-related question. Uh, she says, Renshaw or Bancroft to open? We've, we've answered that. Maxwell well, at did six. did we answer that? You wrote Renshaw. Renshaw, I've gone for I didn't actually ask you. I'm not really interested. But <laughs> um, She says, Maxwell at six? Who keeps? Wade can't buy a run at the moment. Kat said she'd go for Maxwell at six. I think I'd agree with that. It does bring that kind of X factor. He's literally the kind of player it could go either way. But I think, you know, you know, I think the Ashes could be a lot for Maxwell. I don't know. I just... It's a different, uh, yeah. It's, it's a different level altogether, isn't it? The, the hype, the intensity. I suppose that what will, what possibly will count in his favour is that he may well be batting if he plays and he plays a few of these tests. He, you know, the chances are, or the decent chance that he could be batting in, in a, at a really nice time to bat. He could be coming in and and being Glenn Maxwell. Whereas, you know, if Australia were to be put under the pump a few times, you know, I, yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd, maybe Maxwell isn't your man. Yeah, if they're sort of 30 for four. Yeah, so I, I don't know. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Though. I mean, I, you know, he's a, he's a fantastic player, isn't he? So it'd be, uh, it'd, be, it'd be exciting to see what he could do in Ashes, for sure. Jack Alex Turner wants to know, Australia obviously have the faster attack, but do you think they'll utilise the pink ball better than our seamers under lights in Adelaide? Again, we've kind of answered this one already, but what do you think? I mean, they're, as we say, they're, they're more experienced with the pink ball, but would you, I mean... Anderson is one of the great swing bowlers of all time. So you wouldn't back against him necessarily enjoying those conditions. So, I mean, that, that is going to be a fascinating element of the series for sure. And finally, a question from Martin Partridge. Shrimps on the barbecue, are they overrated? Yeah, I mean, shrimps are always overrated wherever they are. You say this, Tone, but in six months' time, you'll be, <laughs> you'll be sat here with a plate of shrimps. The number of things that you always maintained were either, you know, disgusting or like a scam of some sort and suddenly you love. You uh, you had scallop ceviche when I went out for dinner with you the other day. Five years ago, it was either Yorkshire pudding and roast beef or nothing at all. Yeah, I agree. My palate has grown more sophisticated over time. I do have an issue, though, with uh, with seafood. I like fish, but... You're, yeah, eating, you're eating scallops. Stuff, yeah... But some of the other bits and pieces, like stuff that if it was on land and you turned a rock over and cooked it and ate it, yeah, would disgust most people. You like could, you could get a Discovery Channel show out of it. Yeah, exactly. You know, like it. You know, eating a lobster is like foraging for a giant woodlouse and then cooking it and serving it for dinner. It's you know, to me that, that doesn't do it for me. And the same with shrimps. You know, they're just sea beetles, kind of aren't they? Swimming beetles. So yes, you do think they're overrated. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Much like one of the up-and-coming young players hoping to force his way into England's lineup in Brisbane, this episode of the World Cricket Show is overtone. Do you get it? It's overtone. It's overtone. It's Overton. It's good. It's Overton. <laughs> it's Overton. I would have thought you'd have come up with something better for the new equipment, to be honest. <laughs> okay, that's fine. It's your fault, Tony. You kept saying, on the last show, you kept yeah, saying yeah. you'd like the look of England's balance. Yeah, you thought true. some of the players were going to take root. I, I did start to think you were doing it deliberately. I was waiting for you to say, you know, there's too many cooks. This they're, podcast has broad appeal. Yeah, they're going down a blind alley. That's good. That's a good one. So I thought I'd get, on, get in on the action. You get it, Tony. Overton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Overton. Anyway, this has been good, hasn't it? I, I'm really quite optimistic about how this is going to sound. Well, I hope so. Listeners will know. Hopefully, you know, hopefully they've been able to hear us clearly. Hopefully they've been able to hear all our mouth noises clearly. Just a lot of, you know, particularly when we're, talk, <laughs> particularly when we're talking about Kit Kats. Um, I mean, I suppose, you know, we should say a big thanks to everyone who has supported the show on Patreon 
you know, over the last couple of years. Uh, we have been promising this for a long time. You have been promising this for a long time. Yeah, something like that. But uh, yeah, no, that has been a you know that's been a, a crucial contribution mm. uh, to making us sound so good. Hopefully. <laughs> Yeah, what, yeah. This may be lost to the ether, and the actual podcast that people will hear will just be. I think we've had to go and re-record really quickly, and oh, you just sound really annoyed. Yeah. Well, yeah. we already. We're what t- are England's chances are? <laughs> we t- we took about an hour and a half to get set up, so we have been in this room for like nearly three hours now. I'm pretty sure I'm going to have a parking ticket <laughs> when I go back, which is going to be like thirty quid. You are sort of manning. The- Thanks to the Patreon supporters. <laughs> You are manning the window like a like a tiller, like a rudder. You're just sort of every time you get the opportunity, you just give it a little wobble just to open, let it's, some air, in, and then, so and then push it here. back in. It's ludicrously hot in here. That's the only. That's the thing we didn't think through with this podcast studio. Is it's a sauna? Like I don't know why we decided to record in a sauna. That maybe that's our next investment. You know, keep supporting us on Patreon. We can get a little uh, cooling uh, device, mm. an air conditioning unit. A fan. Get rid of some of these clothes, actually, and then, uh, yeah, move in some air conditioning. Does your girlfriend reply to your Snapchat? (laughs) She must be absolutely loving it. We've literally just moved in. Well, yeah, Tony, that that is our borderline too comprehensive Ashes preview in the bag. Really not long at all until kickoff. As I say, by the time people are listening to this, there'll be just a few days to go. What's your sleep strategy going to be? It's a great question. Uh... Well, first test is starts on my birthday. Uh, yeah, we established that last time. You, you yeah. seem like a little bit too obsessed with pointing that out. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners can send their birthday wishes to at Tony Cover. Exactly. Uh, no, the only reason I say it is because I'm it's my I'll special be, I'll, day <laughs> going out for dinner. So I, yeah, I probably will arrive at the uh, at the, the start of play. Yeah, a little bit loose. Half cut, half cut. So, <laughs> I'm, you know, and I will be working on the Friday, but yeah. So that should that should power me through. You know, at least the first session and a half, I should think. Then I'll get some kip. Then it's a Friday night, isn't it? So I think I'm just going to go full whack and stay up all night for that. No, the first night is Wednesday. Again, this is confusing. Do you need me to sing the Rebecca oh, Black yeah, song again? Isn't it? Yeah, because yeah, it goes. Is it? Yeah, it's when it's well, it's it's a Thursday in Australia, but it starts no. Like, midnight wednesday going into the thursday no is it yeah hang on we may have to just re-record that <laughs> you don't want to look silly it's too late for that tone oh yeah you're right hang on uh yeah so the day of the first you know i'm gonna leave all that in <laughs> so i wouldn't bother trying to make yourself look better anyway i don't know i'll just go to bed won't i <laughs> that's your strategy stupid question <laughs> uh no, i don't know it, it, it differs isn't it because obviously the time zone changes as uh, as they move about so it's hard to say but the adelaide test though you cocked up the timings on that will give us the most opportunity i think to watch early morning rather I than cut all that up. out last time so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah made myself look better uh so that one hopefully we're gonna get together aren't we and get up early yeah and share a breakfast well, I don't know about well, that. Share, yeah, have breakfast together and watch a bit of cricket. Just get a kick out of the freezer. <laughs> exactly. I could bring some custard creams around. But, it is, but yeah, yeah, it's tough, isn't it? I mean, there's so many landmarks, though, to the, you know, the, uh, the boxing a test, you know, settling down after Christmas Day to watch the cricket. That is a great thing. And it, that it, is a superb thing to look forward yeah. to. Yeah, I mean, that, that's just, Christmas Day is just twice as good when there's an there's a Ashes test. It makes up for the disappointing presence that you're... <laughs> Well, it's always the classic thing. That, got you. It's the classic thing of just like being in the absolute utter misery of the <laughs> British winter, right? And you switch on the TV, and it's like the green of the grass could not be greener, the sky couldn't be bluer. Everyone's having a great time, beers are flowing, uh, yeah, and you're just you know, huddled you're on just, the sofa with a bowl of rice krispies, <laughs> exactly, trying to get the last rice krispies out the bottom of the bag to get to get <laughs> you through that session. Yeah, choking on the toy <laughs> that comes with it. I um, I think, I'm, well, for the first day, I've taken the Thursday off work. I really hope that it's Wednesday night going into Thursday because <laughs> I've taken the Thursday off work. So uh, I'm going to stay up all night for that, that first day. After well, that, well I've got... You're, right, you're a trooper. <laughs> after that, I'm not quite sure. I think I'll 
I think I will try and stay up as much as possible. And just what I ended up doing last tour or the one before was, you know, you get home from work at, you know, six in the evening or whatever and just go straight to bed, try and get like five or six hours of sleep then and then just be up through the night and on into work. I'm going to be pretty tired come January, I think. So, you know, lot to look forward to. Yeah, yeah January's going to be great. <laughs> tired, fat, poor, <laughs> depressed by the results. Yeah. It's like, it's going to be a real boon time, isn't it, January? <laughs> All right, well, we will be uh, rolling out podcasts throughout the Ashes series. Uh, as we said last time, it will be uh, one after every test. Um, in the meantime, follow us on Twitter at Cricket Show. I will be tweeting uh, to try and keep my spirits up and keep myself awake uh, when I'm watching the cricket this winter. So at Cricket Show, like us on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash cricket show. Keep an eye out for the odd Facebook Live, uh, which we may or may not do. Tony's promised that we will do, so uh, we'll see whether he can, he can deliver on that. Follow us on Instagram as well, at World Cricket Show. Send us an email, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. Uh, and if you've got a spare few minutes, we would really appreciate if you could uh, write a review for us on iTunes or leave a rating because that is, that is very helpful. And if you want to support the show in a financial way, there's a couple of ways to do that. You can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash cricket show. As we mentioned earlier, our patrons have, uh, have helped to fund this new equipment. And when you're doing your Amazon shopping, go first of all to our website, which is cricketshow.net. Follow the link there. And then, uh, yeah, anything you buy doesn't cost you anything extra. Uh, but we get a little bit of a kickback so yeah if you christmas is coming up if you're doing your christmas shopping why not do it there but yeah that's it i think tone stay in school everybody enjoy brisbane and we'll see you next time for a debrief bye-bye for now cherry Shall I? Shall we? We'll put the cat interview in here. I think. Okay, that's a weird sentence. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> One of those guys. You know, I guess if it's going to be anyone, it's going to be. Oh, I think your Siri has just come on. Yeah. Siri's having an absolute. What does what does Siri think you are? Well, it came up with Virat Kohli for a moment there. <laughs> <laughs> of course it did. But then it's like rejigged itself. It says, hey, Siri, it's Mountain Vista, who is the guy eat at the... Oh, it's going now. It's gone. <laughs> I mean, you know, don't... I would, yeah, I, would, I don't know. <laughs> cut, cut me wavering there. <laughs> sorry, just to, I've just got to reply to the email. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry. Uh, but the, the you know the, the current you know if you look at maybe Stark Cummins and Hazelwood you'd, you'd say you know overall more dynamic more cut you know more cutting on the whole so yeah there we go that's what I think I'm I'm cut, cut me saying that's what I think <laughs> well that's what I think I ran out of ideas. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 